5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Let's go. Let's go. Hey, everybody. That, that was, um, I don't speak that language, but I know exactly what you were saying. So that was good. Well, before we started the podcast, um, Heidi was like, hey, last time when we did the podcast, you started with 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. I thought that was cool. So I'm like, let's try it in a different language. <laughs> I don't know if it's going to be as cool this time. But thanks for joining us again here at the formerly known as Parent Trap Podcast. Currently <laughs> hey, known. Have you guys noticed that he's not going to let this not drop? Not going to let it go. You notice that this is like... Because <laughs> I came up with the name the Parent Trap Podcast. It wasn't now... good enough for Heidi Swap. So therefore, she convinced me. This is how it sounded like, Dave. I know you really love your podcast name, but I have a better name. And I was like, okay. So. Anyways, welcome to the Light the Fight Podcast. I'm one half of your host, David Kozlowski. And I just let Dave be the host and I want like being the guest. I'm the one, in fact, in this moment. Dave You're sitting on the is, couch. I'm sitting on the couch. This is the couch that we sit on yeah. when we come in. And Dave is in his captain's you know, chair. Captain's chair. <laughs> that is it. The, the chair with authority. And so, you know, it's forever going to be you're the therapist and I'm the patient. Well, first of all, I don't see patients. Yeah. <laughs> so we are doing this podcast from my office where all my therapy and coaching and stuff like that goes down. So hopefully uh, we'll get Heidi nice and ripe to talk about all the things. We're just going to open right up. Yeah. So, um, well, when we, when we ended our last podcast, we talked about um, doing our next podcast on uh, vulnerability hangover. But after we talked about the last one, we decided to slide a, a little episode in before we got to that kind of um, something in the middle of. So little little uh, review on the past one. So we talked about shame versus guilt. And, you know, when someone is feeling ashamed and they're struggling with that for a long period of time, shortly after that moment where they're ashamed, they're going to be pretty exhausted. They're going to be pretty tired. And that's what we're referring to as the vulnerability hangover and like I said, we'll talk about that next podcast. But for today, we're going to talk about something that Heidi calls shame in motion. So once again, Heidi Swap, our shame correspondent. That's right. <laughs> I taught her all about shame. And then she's like, let me go out to the world and see if I can practice this and see if I get really good at you know shaming my children, uh, you know, making sure that I'm dealing with shame all the time, playing the shame game. And then she'll come back and report how she did. So today, Heidi's going to start off with um, uh, telling a little experience about um, how she was really, you know, shame was super activated by an experience with, you know, your oldest daughter. And when we talk about shame and emotion, thanks to Heidi, she's going to be giving you a real life experience of what it was like for her while she was going through this. And so most people will be able to relate to, you know, a parent, you know, getting offended or being upset by something that their teenager says. So I'll let Heidi kind of give you the story and then we'll talk about like how she went through that, what that experience is like. And, and as always, I'll just weigh in and give a little tips and stuff like that. And um, yeah, so we'll get to know a little bit more about how shame is actually when it's a verb. That's right. Well, so here, just a little bit of background on this story and what I'm about to share. Multiple times, um, David had talked to me about um, about not letting myself, um, get, not letting my, sh my shame get activated 
I would say triggered, but we're we're moving from that buzzword. We're, we're trying to create a different word because triggered <laughs> is so like 2016. Okay, so and we're, we're I'm just way, kidding. If you like to say the word triggered, cool. stick with that. We're just trying to think of something different. Okay, so we had talked about this in multiple of of our kind of conversations, and and I kind of thought I understood. All right, okay, and um. And before she tells you the story, we talked about it like the day before. It, the it story literally happened. was. <laughs> It literally, it literally wasn't. And I, um, so even though we were having conversations about it, it wasn't until I actually, like, like I had a situation that it happened, this this shame trigger situation, and it scared me because now I knew what I had done, right? And so it wasn't like, it was just a natural, it was my natural response, but now I knew how bad I had, had reacted. You so, couldn't play naive. Right. And, and then I was like, oh crap, what did he tell me that I'm supposed to do? And, um, and so what I want to do, like we've already talked about the shame. We've talked about how it makes us feel and how we want to hide it. And, and David will even say, I mean, you even say, in fact, not only do we hide it, but we protect it, right? We are venomous defenders of our shame, right? And so um, it, it kind of took me having this experience, and this is why I remember it so pivotally, because it was the moment that I actually put into practice, well, I didn't put into practice what I was supposed to do, and then realized it, and then had to backtrack. But in this process, I learned so much and so now that you know what it is and I can share this experience, I hope that it will help you kind of process it and put it together and, and I also hope you'll forgive me for being such a terrible person. <laughs> <laughs> we don't have to forgive her for being a terrible person but you can learn from her being a terrible person. <laughs> um, no really, it it's already like making me feel a little... Like, well, just, I'm, I'm just, having some heartbeats just Even what you this. just said right there was you, like, technically the therapeutic term, you're speaking from your shame. <laughs> okay. By asking forgiveness for being a terrible person, which you're not. Because if you're a terrible person, if you think High Swap's a terrible person, please delete this podcast. Because <laughs> okay, you shouldn't be listening to a horrible person. She's not Satan Spawn. She's not going to lead you down to the dark <laughs> side. She's a great person. You may proceed. Okay, so... That was my cleansing breath of going into this <laughs> story. a shame purge. Okay. Um, so in general, one of my, this is a side note, one of my greatest shames is that I'm not fit, physically fit. Like I don't exercise. I haven't been exercising. And the problem is that like I, grad, like, I went to high school or I went to college in exercise physiology. I've always been an exercise-y type of a person. Um, I know how happy I am when I exercise. I know how important it is. I like fitting in my pants, you know, like, but right now there is probably nothing that triggers my shame as much as if being around a, a person who's fit, like I hate it. And so I will avoid a fit person like the plague, like it doesn't matter where I see you. I am not going to make eye contact. 
I'm not, oh, I'll not strike up a conversation. Like, right, it's, it's just a, it is an issue for me. I wish that I was fit. I wish that I would take the time to be fit. And I've got all the excuses why I don't and all the reasons why I should. And I, and I just, whatever. So it's an issue, um, especially since I lost, since we lost Corey. It's been harder. So um, Quincy, my, my daughter, has, is on the drill team. And there's a particular mom. And I mean, there's several fit moms that I have to avoid, right? But like, <laughs> um, and, and by the way, she knows this story. I have confessed all my shame <laughs> to her as well. So um, it's, I mean, you know, I, I can tell this story without feeling too bad, but I do feel yeah. bad, but anyway. <laughs> okay, so um, for this particular mom who is so friendly, like genuinely nice, and fit, ridiculously fit, and awesome. And um, so I don't want to be her friend. Yeah, of course. And it yeah. <laughs> um, just so happens that Quincy's super good friends with her daughter. And um, so I've done a pretty good job at completely not having a relationship. And um, anyway, I got some, there was some karma in my life and we actually went on um, a trip, a team trip, and I wound up rooming with her, of all people. Um, and the good news is that I found out that we had a lot of things to connect with. Um, but all that happened after this particular incident. Okay, so now I'm gonna tell you the actual story. So sorry about all the lead ups. Aren't you excited to hear a story? Okay. <laughs> so, I'm sitting in my bed, waiting for Quincy to come home, and, you know, I really, I have a spot, I enjoy it, it's kind of my, my place, and um, I was probably reading or maybe even working on my computer, I can't remember that. Quincy came in, and she's just saying goodnight to me, and I said, you know, do you have fun? And everything was fine, and then Quincy says something to the effect of, I wish our family was more like this family. They're just so cool and they're so fun. Everybody's so nice to each other. Our family just sucks. And it was like three, two, one, and I... I was like, well, why don't you just move in? You know, if they're so great, you know, I'm sorry. I'm sorry that we're not fun. I'm sorry that we don't, we're not nice to each other. I'm sorry that we suck so bad. And I'm sorry that I'm not fit. And I'm sorry that I don't make dinner. And I'm sorry that, so. As you can imagine, like those things legitimately came out of my mouth. Next thing I knew, both of us were in tears. And Quincy didn't even know what to say. She just turned and ran up as fast as she could to her room and slammed the door. 
And it was, I think, with the slam that I was transported back to this couch where I'm sitting right now. And I was like, holy crap! Which is only 24 hours before this argument <laughs> happened. What did... What just happened? Oh my gosh. What am I supposed to do? I just had my shame triggered. I just overreacted. I, I know I'm not supposed to be overreacting. And that, that was a bad. That was a really bad. And... Um, I could not, for the life of me, remember what I was supposed to do next. And, and so I literally grab my phone and I start furiously texting David on the bat phone. This you start is out with I, like, hey, remember all that stuff we talked about yesterday? You told me to do it. Yeah, I did the complete opposite. Like, it's really bad right now. And I, but, and I legitimately like... I was frozen. My brain could not think of what to do. Like, what am I supposed to do to fix that? I, I had no idea. I had just done the absolute worst thing. I knew better. And now I felt worse. It, and now also one little side thing I want to add in there. Now, mind you, everybody listening to this, this is the same mother who just a year and a half earlier had lost her son to suicide. So you can't have that moment and see your daughter run away and all of a sudden the anger is like switched to fear. The oh, yeah. shame goes, <gasps> what the heck did I just do to like the worst case scenario of like, am I going to make her feel this way? Is this get like it just so I could tell when you were texting me, it was just, yeah, whatever you spell you're under when you snapped, you'd lost that really quickly and went into, oh my gosh, I have to rectify this really fast. And so, so go ahead and say what you told me to do. <laughs> I said, go upstairs and apologized to her and tell her exactly what you talked to me about because you and I had been talking for, you know, almost two years. And just that day before was the very first time, just so you know how bad Heidi shame is about this. Cause she wasn't making this up. It was the first time she even admitted to me about your shame with your body image. It had just, so think about the perfect storm. You come to yeah, me, you're, you're like, Oh yeah. You're like, so I've been kind of, I got this thing. And then the more we started talking about it, then it just started to open up. And it was just the first topic of discussion that you'd had, like, out loud, really putting it out there. And, you know, we talked about, like, you know, how to handle this type of stuff. And then, you know, this happens with your daughter. And so I said, you got to go upstairs and you got to make this right. You got to tell her you're sorry, that this is on you. This has nothing to do with her. It's your shame. And you need to explain to her what's happening. Because the one thing your daughter is, is she's loving, she's... She's a teenager. She, you know, she, she knows what that's like to be ashamed, but you have to teach it to her in the worst possible teaching experience way, but the best way, which is you actually making the mistake and then going back and making up for it. Which is then what I did. I, I got the text and I was still sobbing. And I, I, I went right up into a room and I knocked on the door and she's, crying in in her room now this family is like a second family to her she loves them and and I will say they they are amazingly good and fun and kind wonderful people like the just that family that you hope that your 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 kids will go and hang out with you, you, you know and and here I was like totally lashing out and and so I was hurting her in both ways of sort of flipping out, attacking this family that she loves, 
Um, but also she didn't want to hurt me and, and she didn't want to make me mad. And, um, so she's in her bed crying with her back towards the door. And I knelt down on the side of her bed and I said, Quincy, I am so sorry. And I just said, that was the exact opposite of what I ever wanted to do. I, I have no idea. I, you know, and, and I, and I told her, I said, fundamentally, I don't, I don't want you to hate our family. I'm scared that you're going to hate our family. I'm scared that you don't want to hang out with us. I'm scared that our family's never going to heal. I'm, and, and I wish I was more like this friend's mom. And, you know, Quincy turns around and she looks at me and she goes, I don't want you to be like her. I just want you. I, and, and she said, I don't, I don't hate our family. I just, I wish that, I, I wish that our family wasn't completely broken and shattered and, and um, be better, you know, happier, was, whatever. Yeah. And you know what? That is fair because, because it, it is hard. We do have, we're having, it, it's hard. We're sad. And um, so the, the, the miracle happened is that when I, um, when, when I owned my shame to Quincy and shared that with her, multiple things happened. Number one, we turned the situation around really fast. Like, gone were the, gone was the anger. There was no anger in that room. Number two, we connected and talked about something that we both feel, but it's really hard for us to talk about. And number three, I apologized to her, showing her that I love and respect her and that, that her feelings matter to me and you guys like it was like oh my gosh thank heavens thank heavens I it was a breath of life oh I it it was the weirdest like 180 like the the highest of lows and the highest of highs I don't know if you can you can say that although sometimes David says things like the most least (laughs) so it was the most least (laughs) Um, now luckily I had the bat phone that I could text my problem and I could get a response because I in genuineness I did not know what to do I was frozen I was scared I was upset Um, and if I wouldn't have taken care of that moment then the wedge that I put there would it like that that was a rough that would be rough well talking about the the you said earlier like we we go to really major extremes to protect our shame I've seen a similar situation like that happen time and time again where there's that moment where you can go back and and you can say you know what I need to do better I apologize and then as that window starts to shut then we have to all, we feel the need to be all in and just 
stand our ground and protect what we said as ridiculously as it may have been. As much as it would have hurt, you know, her if you if she would have said those things to you, or as much as it would have hurt you if you would have said those things to her, we get to these defensive places like we have to protect what we said because we're all in now. We can't go back on what we said, as bad as it may have been. And so going back to what you said about protecting your shame, that was a very pivotal moment for you because had you have not done that in that point, the longer you went away from that, just left that be, the higher the probability that she would have felt like, you know, she can't even voice her own opinion. She can't have thoughts and feelings. Her family can't handle what she's going through. So therefore, note to self, her brain would say, got to keep it a secret. Right. And Lord knows families have enough secrets. Like we don't need to have more secrets. And for you too, you would have felt so horrible after that had happened. The longer you went without talking to someone about it, without going back and, and apologizing to her, it would have only validated all the I'm not good enough, I'm a bad mom, it was just proven. For both of us. For both of you. Because she was coming in and what she said, our We yell, sucks. we get angry. <laughs> right? Right? She, she, was, she was sharing with me her real feelings and that would have just proved to her that she wasn't allowed to. And, and I like what you just, I mean, I don't like what you just said. The, the thing that you said about my mom can't handle the truth. And right there, moms and dads who are listening, um, you got to ask yourself that question. Can I handle what my child is feeling, thinking, worrying about? And, and if we go back to that whole like first responder thing, um, when our kids do something that we don't like or we've taught them not to do or, you know, we're just shocked that may, maybe it was an accident, but they've done something wrong. And, and our response, like if, if you can think about like why am I responding with such you know, like overreaction. Why? Why am I taking it so personal? Why am I flipping out? So, so my kid, you know, I don't know. I haven't, I haven't had a kid shoplift, but I think I would be, I would freak out. <laughs> I'm trying not to freak out about things, but like if I had a kid who shoplift and I got to go face something, you know, he's just gotten picked up and I got to face it. My anger is associated with my own inadequacy as a parent to not teach my child not to shoplift, right? And so I keep seeing this too. When people come to me and share, they're, you know, they're worried about their child. And, and in their voice, they're saying, you know, they're mad and they're worried. They don't want anyone to know. They're worried about the reflection it is on them as a parent. I, and I did the same thing too. Same, <laughs> same thing. If we could understand somehow, like that it's okay for them to make mistakes or that, I, I mean, I, I don't know. Like, so David, now it's your turn. I've, I, I laid myself on the line. <laughs> 
Well, you know, talking about taking things personal and being upset, that comes natural. That's easy to do. Um, our children are an extension of us. Literally, they're, they came from us. And even if you adopted, you know, your child, um, it's still your responsibility and it's your commitment. And anyone that cares about anything, you take a great sense of pride in it. And you also have a great sense of fear and worry that you're not going to do good by your children. And taking things personal and reacting in that sort of a way, it comes natural because of all those things I just said. The solution is, just like Heidi just said, well, part of the solution at least is ask yourself for a second. It's like, you know, am I taking this personal because it's personal or am I taking or am I angry and frustrated this because I just don't like the outcome? Usually it's your kids aren't going, hmm, how could I embarrass my parents? That's, that's not the intent. So what we talk about, and whether it be our, our speaking engagement that you know we're doing in a couple of days or in our own private sessions and what a lot of people have found out that works in lots of relationships, not just parents and teenagers, is when you make a simple statement to your teenager, letting them know that you did something wrong, you said something wrong, or letting them know that it's not their job to make your life easier. However, it did hurt you that they said that. You can still say difficult things, but you can separate the difficult things that you're feeling from shaming them as if they're doing something intentionally to hurt you. Because that's not the case. Our kids are voicing their opinions. And yeah, that may hurt. Just like you may tell your teenager, I'm sorry, you can't go hang out with your friends. And they may be like, no, how could you do this to me? And they can take that personal and it still may not be personal at the same time. Mm -hmm. So being able to separate, it's, it would be so much easier for us as parents to have our kids do everything that we would need them to do to make our lives more comfortable and less stressful. <laughs> that would be great. That would be so great. And we all make the mistake of expecting them from the ages of two, three, four, all the way up to teenagers to conduct themselves in a manner that, don't, that doesn't cause us to lose our mind. <laughs> How many times as you as a parent and people you know have said things like, sit still, like, I can't have had a horrible day. I can't take this anymore. I've even seen so many people freak out on their kids because their kids were being kids. Mm -hmm. But you were having a day where they can't be kids. They're not allowed to be kids. They have to be whatever you need them to be because God forbid they be kids. <laughs> it's unacceptable. I, don't, I know you're a kid, but... And the problem with teenagers is they show flickers of moments where that they're actually mature, responsible. And then our minds go, oh, see, they're totally capable of this. Why don't they do it all the time? Well, read a psychology book. They're not adults yet. <laughs> Their brains haven't fully developed. You know what I mean? Their hormones are firing, you know, like they're on social media all the time. Like it's just not in the cards yet. Doesn't mean we can't expect great things of them. Doesn't mean that we got to be their best friend and let them get away with murder around your house. But it does mean that we have to put it into perspective. Am I asking my kid to do this for me because I can't handle it? Or are they just being this mean, horrible Satan spawn trying to ruin my life? <laughs> well, and let's and, and so let's just take this one extension. I mean, I know that we're here to talk about parenting and and improving our relationships, but your teenagers are not the only people who can 
trigger your shame, right? It might be a friend. It could be a spouse. Who has the greatest power to trigger our shame? What the people that we are the closest to and that we love the most because probably because they feel comfortable or know what they can say or, you know, incidentally. But I think you think about when you get really your feelings hurt or offended, um, that oftentimes is a manifestation of your shame. Being tr- it, it, would, you, would you agree with that? Uh, absolutely. I mean, anger, everybody knows anger is a secondary emotion. Well, if you didn't know it before, now you know. But it makes simple sense. Most people hurt it in some way, shape, or form. No one wakes up unless they had a bad dream. N- n- no one wakes up in the morning and says, dang it, I want to fight everybody and pissed off and start swinging it, you know, the air, unless, like I said, unless you had some sort of nightmare. You wake up, you think about the things that aren't going your way, you think about the people who offended you, disrespected you, and after you think about that, you're like, man, that's messed up. And then you start to think, how could they do that to me? And then you start to grow resentment, anger, and frustration. Well, the, the same thing with shame. A lot of times when people make us mad or upset, and it may seem like it's something so simple as they don't respect me. Well, think about it. People respect other people that are worthwhile and important. So if we take another step further, the root of this is we carry something inside of us that we're trying to show people we're worthwhile and we're important, we can do it. And if this person's not respecting me, then they're disrespecting me. If they're disrespecting me, they don't think I'm worthwhile and important. And if they don't think I'm worthwhile and important, then gosh dang it, of course I'm going to be upset with them. Right. So a lot of times, and you know, even maybe even some people listen to this and may think, Shame, shame. It's using such a wide spectrum. Yeah. So we can be more specific. And I'm glad you said that because even all the, the books from Brene Brown and stuff like that that I've read and I've learned throughout the years, like I said, in drug and alcohol treatment, we learned about shame long decades ago, right? But what I'm realizing now is that it comes in all shapes and sizes. It comes in all reactions. It could be from your teenage daughter because she's saying another family's perfect. It could be because someone looks at your products and they go, oh, well, that's all right. And you're like, hard I worked on that all right right or someone says those are too expensive like really I do not even charge that much right <laughs> it can come in all sorts of criticism comments and you know in social media there's plenty of things that we can post a picture that we think we're proud of and someone can say oh yeah nice pants they don't fit you it's like wait what like I posted a picture and one of my best friends said oh yeah I think that shirt's a little too tight on you I'm like what I'm like your last picture you just posted was a selfie with you out your shirt on like how you like and so I got mad in it because I'm like wait what like so there's a lot of things that can make us that can trigger or activate this deep shame but it can come out anger frustration resentment jealousy mm-hmm. right like you're talking about with the mom yeah. like when you started out the conversation like I've avoided people that are in shape why well, that's not a common I mean that's not an uncommon thing lots of people do that but a lot of people wouldn't even realize it's coming from the place we're talking about it because our mind quickly has to protect it. So they go, yeah, the way they look, the way they act. I don't know. It's just like, and then you see them be uh, imperfect. And maybe that mom was short with their daughter one time. So yeah, see, she just lacks patience. That's why I don't like her. When in reality, you don't like that she's fit and you don't like that you're, you don't like that she's fit and you don't like that you're not fit. Right. And, and that person has no idea that you, you know that they're triggering that and I think that's another important key thing when 
people, when somebody says something to you, um, they may not even know that, that that's a, a tough spot. And um, Quincy obviously had no way of knowing that she, that, that was going to be um, hurtful or upsetting to me. Um, and so I think that, you know, as, as we kind of wrap things up, number one, I want you to really think about this. And like I said, you might, it might not all sink in <laughs> like it didn't for me until you find yourself in a situation where you're feeling it and you might have to backpedal, um, apologize, clean up the mess that you, you let it make. Um, but I even want you to maybe think about maybe an experience that you've had and maybe something will come to mind because I always think it's good to even be able to evaluate a circumstance and say, oh, oh, so that's what happened. Because if we can really, you know, and, and I'm going to say this again and again, we can't be in control of anybody else. Like, you can't change your, your teenager's behavior or your spouse or anybody that you're having conflict with or struggling with a real connection and a relationship. Um, you do have the opportunity and the ability to make a change in yourself. And I think, as I think about the past two and a half years and, and the therapists and the different people that I've talked to, doctors, like, you know, as I've found help for my kids and for myself, there has been a significant change in my heart. And I'm different. Um, I'm not, I'm probably not there yet, but the change in me is allowing me to have more meaningful relationships with those around me. And David, I mean, how many times have you said this? You got to go first. <laughs> he, he probably doesn't even know. No, I know what you're talking about. Tell people if, you know, if, like, for example, if someone's aggravating you, disrespecting you, somehow they activated some sort of deep inner lying shame inside of you where you feel like they don't see you as worthwhile or, or maybe you don't see yourself as worthwhile and someone else reminds you of that, right? If you want to get rid of that feeling, a lot of times you hear people like in normal street conversations like, well, if someone doesn't respect me, I'm not going to respect them. I hear it from teens all the time. They say, well, my teacher doesn't respect me, my parent doesn't respect me, so I'm not going to respect them. Yeah. And then you talk to the other side of the story like, well, they didn't respect me, so I'm not going to respect them. I'm like, well, who's going to go first? Like, someone's got to go to start the respect, to, to quiet the shame, to, you know, someone's got to go first. And so the way I look at it and the way I talk to you and the way I talk to everyone else, I'm like, why not you? Like, why I don't you that, go first? I think that you have actually told me that I got to go first in every session that we've had. Well, in every of course I'm going to tell that to you because you actually do have to go first. You're the mom, for goodness sake. Right. That's, right? The, that's the thing. Like, we, can, we cannot expect our children to change unless we are willing to change first. And I wish I, I wish I would have, I wish I would have known what I needed to change first. And, you know, and, and for guys, this is a big one for men. The, the men that I feel the most safest and comfortable around are the guys that have just enough self-deprecation. Like they can make fun <laughs> of themselves, just, oh, I suck at this and this and that. And they can compliment other men genuinely like, man, that guy's really fit. Or that, you know, the guy's working out and he's like, man, like 
I need to work out hard. Like he's motivating me instead of being like, Oh, this guy thinks he's all cool. Look the way he has too much spray tan on, or he's trying to act tough or buff. Instead of pointing out all these things that someone else is trying to do to look good. We can acknowledge like, man, like I wish I looked that good or that's inspiring. I wish I could train like that. Or maybe I should take a page out of their book. It's a simple reverse from, I don't like the way they make me feel or wait a second. Why don't I like the way they make me feel? Oh, because he has big biceps and I wish I had some, I didn't. So at that moment, you have a choice to either admire that person and use them as, as a measuring stick and use them as a way to like get better or to inspire you. Or you can be ashamed that you don't measure up and compare to that person. And in that window, like I said, with what happened with you and your daughter, that window of opportunity, we have to make a quick judgment. Which one are we going to choose? Are we going to choose the shame game? We're going to choose the congratulation, compliment, how could I be better game? Which is hard. It's hard. Well, because we're jealous by nature. I mean, we don't want to get on the biology of this, but fact of the matter is women get jealous of other women because there's a long time ago where there's very few men that were worth breeding with. (laughs) (laughs) Actually, nowadays, a lot of women would argue there's very few men worth breeding with nowadays in the swipe right culture. Um, So, but... I, I digress. Obviously, you get the point I'm making. <laughs> well, that's a whole nother episode. All right. I'll, I'll note that. I'll make yeah, it that's up. a ladies only episode. <laughs> well, anyway, I um, thank, thank you guys for listening, um, for letting me share that story. And like I said, I, I do encourage you to take a minute to evaluate. And then when you feel that tightening in the chest and that, that wanting to to respond like that um think about it and uh and then if you do say you're sorry yeah uh, (laughs) so um anyway so thank you so much for joining us um with our with this podcast we're thankful and and uh man we hope that it makes sense And if you, um, you know, if, if you haven't read Brene's Brown, Brene Brown's book, Daring Greatly, and she's got two other ones, I think she has three total, um, go and read those books and it, it'll help you understand more about shame in general. If you have already read those books, hopefully these, the, our first couple conversations just happen to be about, I use her name because I don't want to make people think we're trying to steal from her stuff. We're just talking about things that, she, similar stuff she's brought to light. But if you have read her books, hopefully listening to the things we're talking about just shines more light on it. Because like Heidi said, you could talk about these conversations. I talk about, so we're talking about shame, but I talk about with someone else, like certain relationships problems. I could talk about that topic for a year, every single week, and you're never going to figure out everything. There's always going to be new things that you can build upon. So hopefully this adds to whatever else you already know. Yeah, absolutely. All right, I guess that's it for today. Our time's up. Okay.